Thank you, guys. We're in a series called You Make Me Crazy. Been in it for nine weeks. We're going to close it out today by looking at keeping the crazy makers from making you crazy. I want to look by, begin by looking at uh, six common types of crazy makers that can come into our lives. See if you've got anybody like this. I'd encourage you to see if you are like this. And uh, maybe you need to make some life change yourself. But the first type of crazy maker is the person who's demanding. Uh, demanding crazy makers are bossy, they're pushy, uh, controlling, intimidating. They dominate every conversation. They make unrealistic demands on your life and your time and your schedule. They just push, push, push. Second kind of crazy maker is the disapproving person. Uh, disapproving crazy makers are picky. Uh, they're highly critical, judgmental. Your best is never good enough. They always want more. They are unpleasable perfectionists. And they love to point out your mistakes. Third kind of crazy makers are deafening people. Uh, they're the megaphones of life. Uh, they love to talk and they love to talk loud. They talk 120 decibels. And their goal is to talk you into surrender. They talk until you say, I give up. Fourth kind are the destructive crazy makers. These are the people who have uncontrolled anger. They're like volcanoes. You never know when they're going to erupt. But when they erupt, they spew hot, burning lava all over everybody. And if you have a volcano in your life, then your family lives in fear of when the next eruption is going to be. And there's tension, and, and there's concern, and the burn casualties are high. Destructive crazy makers are like volcanoes. Next kind of crazy maker are discontented people. Uh, these are people that are touchy. They're very thin-skinned. They get their feelings hurt easily. Uh, they're chronic complainers, and, and they get their attention and make their point by whining. Sixth kind of crazy makers are demeaning people. Uh, these people are rude. They're insulting. Uh, they use cussing. Uh, complaining, caustic language. They burst your bubble and deflate you. They love to tear you down by being disrespectful and petty and mean. So I want to take you through some Bible verses today. I want to give you six steps to deal with these kinds of people in your life. Because they're there, and we've got to know how to deal with them. And I, my experience has been with these steps is that each step is a little harder than the step before it. You know, the first step is hard, second step is harder, third step is harder, but it's worth it when you persevere and get to the end. So how do you handle the crazy makers in your life? Well, number one, first, refuse to be offended. Refuse to take it personally. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how outrageous their behavior, you know, when people are rude and insulting, they're revealing more about themselves than they are about you. You know, it's not your problem. It's their problem. They're showing you what's in them, not what's in you. So don't be offended by it. They're a crazy maker. The reality is there's a lot in life you could be offended about. And in fact, there are things in life that you should be offended about. I mean, I get offended at things. Uh, I'm offended by injustice in the world. I'm offended by racism. I'm offended by babies whose lives are taken before they're born. I'm offended by women and girls who are exploited for sex traffic and pornography. I'm offended by attacks on traditional biblical marriage. I'm offended by attacks on my religious liberty. Those things offend me. But when it comes to personal relationships, God says, as much as you can, don't be offended by people. 
If you have thin skin and everything everybody does offends you, you're going to be unhappy most of your life. You've got to learn that emotional and spiritual maturity is largely determined by how you treat those who mistreat you. Your emotional and spiritual maturity is determined by how you treat those who mistreat you. You know, do I do I do tit for tat and try to get even? If they hurt me, I hurt them back. They insult me, I insult them back. Then, then all you're doing, you're no different than they are. But emotional and spiritual maturity is determined by my reaction to demeaning, demanding, destructive, disapproving, deafening people in my life. How do I handle those kinds of people? And one of the keys to happiness is developing thick skin and a tender heart. Too many people have thin skins and hard hearts. God says he wants just the opposite. You know, you get a little bit thicker skin, everything doesn't set you off. You you don't get upset no matter what people do. You know, somebody looks at you cross-eyed on the highway, somebody cuts you off, flips you off, you don't freak out and get upset. You just need a little bit thicker skin. Now, how do I keep from taking personal offense at the crazy makers in my life? How, How do I keep from being offended by these demeaning, demanding, destructive people? Well, first you just consider the source. They're a crazy maker. You know, you you ignore them as much as possible. Proverbs 12, 16 says, When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people will ignore an insult. You know, if you're wise, you'll ignore an insult. To respond to an insult with an insult is foolish. And so wise people ignore the insult. How can they do that? Because they look past the behavior and they see what's behind it. You know, when you're dealing with people who are offensive, you need to look past the offensive behavior and see the pain. Everything we do is motivated by something. And when we're hurting other people, it's because we've been hurt ourselves. You've heard me say it over and over. Hurt people hurt people. You know, you look behind it and they've got fear, they've got insecurity, they've got a painful past. And so one of the ways not to be personally offended is look past the behavior and and think what is causing them to be this way. What kind of hurt or fear or wound do they have in their life that's causing this craziness to come out? You know, maybe they had a fight with their husband or wife. Maybe their kid's in the hospital. Maybe they've just lost their job or they're facing bankruptcy. You know, what's the pressure that's making them do this? And so you look past the behavior, look at the pain, and you try to understand. Because the more you understand someone's background, the more patience you can have with them. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. When you understand somebody's hurt, it gives you patience to overlook their offense. The Bible says refusing to be offended by people is actually an act of mature love. It's it's genuine love. Proverbs 10.12, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. So the first step is, I refuse to be offended. I don't take it personally. And I've got to tell you, that's hard. It's hard. Second one's even harder. Second step, you don't wait for an apology to forgive them. You know, many of us have crazy makers in our life. Some, you know, they've done some crazy hurtful thing to us, or maybe they've done some crazy hurtful thing to someone we love. And, and we think, okay, I know the Christian thing to do is to forgive them, and I will forgive them as soon as they apologize. If I get the right kind of apology, then I'll forgive them. Now, there's a problem with that. The problem with that is, is while you're waiting for the apology, you are holding on to the hurt. 
And the truth is, they may never ask you for forgiveness. They may never say, I'm sorry. You may never get the apology because they don't even realize what they've done. They're a crazy maker. They don't get it. They don't, if they got it, they wouldn't have hurt you in the first place. And so you end up holding on to a resentment for something they don't even remember. They don't even know they did it. So before anything else happens, you've got to decide in your own heart, I'm going to forgive them, even if they never ask for an apology. Let me ask you this question. Is it smart to ignore God's directions? No. It is not. God knows us. God made us. God loves us. God gives us directions that are good for us. And ignoring God's directions is always an illogical, irrational thing to do. Disobedience always creates self-inflicted pain. So the person who hurt you is facing that because of their sin against you. Why would you want to compound that situation by ignoring God's direction about forgiving them? See, it doesn't make it any better. It just makes the situation worse. Now, forgiving doesn't mean that you forget that it ever happened. Forgiving doesn't mean that you have to act like it didn't hurt. Forgiving doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. No, forgiving just means you're going to let God deal with it. You're going to let God settle the score. You're going to let God judge the offense. You're letting go of it. Jesus did this in the most extreme circumstances. Luke 23, 34, he's hanging on the cross and he says this, Father, forgive them. No one had apologized to him. In fact, they're crucifying him. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You know, they don't know what they're doing. Not everyone who's a crazy maker in your life realizes what they're doing. You know, oftentimes they're just responding out of their own hidden pain. They don't even know that they're hurting people around them. So what do you do? You forgive them. Uh, when I have a hard time forgiving someone else, I try to remember what a hard time I gave God when he was trying to forgive me. You know, God offered me forgiveness and I was resisting it. I, I try to remember Colossians 3.13, as you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know, I've got to cut other people slack because I'm going to need them to cut me slack back. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And I want God's blessing in my life. I want God's blessing in your life. And one of the ways that we get that blessing is by forgiving people even before they've made an apology. You know, that keeps us from holding on to resentment. It, it, it keeps us from, from holding on to wounds. And so don't wait for an apology uh, to forgive them. As I said earlier, it gets harder as we go along. Number three, you need to refuse to gossip about them. This one's tough, because when some crazy maker has just done some crazy thing in your life, it's almost impossible not to pull out the cell phone and call somebody and say, you will not believe what this guy just did. You will not believe what this woman just did to me. You know, in fact, you're texting them while, while they're doing it. You know, with crazy makers, we... Part of the deal with that is we want affirmation from somebody else that the crazy maker is indeed crazy and we are indeed sane. You know, we just want to, is this crazy? This is what they did. And it may feel good to gossip about it, but the Bible says uh, that it's unloving. Proverbs 17, 9, disregarding other people's faults preserves love. 
Disregarding other people's faults preserves love. But gossiping about them separates close friends. Because what is gossip? Well, gossip is basically retaliation. When we gossip about a crazy maker, what we're doing is we are getting back at them without talking to them directly. We're getting back at them behind their back. And gossip is incredibly destructive. Folks, gossip has destroyed more churches than false teaching. Gossip destroys families. It destroys businesses. Gossip separates the closest friends. And when we start gossiping about the crazy maker, actually they've won. Because at that point, they're controlling our conversation. They are controlling our emotions. And so they've won. And some good thing that you could be doing, some great thing you could be doing, you're going to miss out on because you're spending your time and energy gossiping about a crazy maker. 1 Peter 3.9, do not do wrong to repay a wrong. And do not insult to repay an insult. But repay with a blessing. Because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. You know, when you gossip, you miss out on God's blessing. But when you don't do that, look what happens when you choose not to gossip. Instead, you head the conversation in a positive way, and you receive God's blessing in your life. That's a different end result. And one of the ways we receive God's blessing is by saying no to gossip. Fourth thing you do with the crazy maker is you refuse to play the game. Crazy makers love to suck you into the drama and the chaos and the conflict that they're creating. And if you fall for that trap, this is what often happens. See see if you've ever fallen into this. You think, if I could just clearly, logically explain to them what they're doing, then the light would come on in their mind and they would realize how crazy their behavior is. You ever think that? If I could just reason with them, that would solve the problem. But here's the the dilemma. They didn't come to their position through reason. They didn't get into this crazy behavior because of logic. They got there because of emotion. And you can't reason people out of a behavior that they didn't reason themselves into. People are either going to like you or not like you. If they don't like you, you can't make them like you. All the logic in the world isn't going to change their mind. And In fact, when you try to show them how wrong they are, they just get mad. You know, you think the facts are going to change them? No, it wasn't the facts that caused them to become crazy in the first place. That was a decision they made based on emotion. And so the key is just refuse to play the game. Now, Jesus didn't play games with people. You know, the crazy makers in his day were the Pharisees. They were the religious authorities of that day, and they hated Jesus. And they were always trying to trap him, always trying to draw him in, trying to get him to say the wrong thing, make a mistake. They were questioning, probing, debating, and Jesus just refused to play their game. Wouldn't do it. Matthew twenty-two fifteen. the Pharisees plotted a way to trap Jesus into saying something damaging. Jesus knew they were up to no good. He said, why are you playing these games with me? Why are you trying to trap me? He wouldn't fall for it. And he wouldn't get pulled into their crazy-making games. He wouldn't be drawn into an argument that he knew was going to go nowhere. You know, people believe what they want to believe about you. If they want to believe bad things about you, they'll see bad things in you. If they want to believe good things about you, they'll see good things in you. Prejudice has its own reasoning. And you can't talk people out of prejudice from a logical sense because it's emotionally based. So save your breath. Don't waste your time. Don't play the games. 
Paul, like Jesus, refused to get drawn into the crazy maker game. 2 Corinthians 4.2, we reject all shameful and underhanded methods. In other words, we don't play games. We do not try to trick anyone, and we do not distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know that. You know, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, and be done with it. Now, this is important because crazy makers love to use conflict to get attention. You know, everybody has a need for approval and acceptance. If you can't get approval and acceptance, then we settle for attention, either positive or negative. We just want attention. You see a lot in teenagers. If they can't get approval from their parents, then they'll just settle for attention, and they'll do whatever they need to do to get it, whether it's positive or negative attention. They'll get it one way. It doesn't matter. You know, today with the internet and with texting and blogging and email and Facebook and all this stuff, it is so easy to get sucked into this game with these crazy makers. I mean, somebody makes some crazy post or sends you a crazy email. Every bone in your body wants to fire off a quick reply. I'm going to set this straight. I'm going to get the truth out there. I'm going to make this right. Don't fall for it. Don't take the bait. Don't get hooked. It's a crazy maker. They're trying to suck you in. Thomas Paine, you remember, remember him from the American Revolution? Thomas Paine, he was a classmate of Will Chalicombe. And, um, <laughs> all right, it's just a joke. <laughs> I'm the crazy maker in Will's life. Thomas Paine said this, to argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason, to argue with somebody who's renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. Okay? doesn't do any good it's a waste of time proverbs 26 21 just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going a quarrelsome person keeps an argument going you know they just find their meaning their value their purpose and just stoke in the fire as a conflict and they want to draw you into the chaos draw you into the conflict but how many people does it take to argue it takes two what happens if one person walks away fire goes out Argument's over. You know, th those of you who are small business owners, maybe you've got one, two, three employees, or maybe you work for a, a larger company, you've got a department that you're responsible for, you know, uh, most people don't understand how disharmony among a staff destroys productivity. Conflict in, in a department destroys productivity almost faster than anything else. You know, you get complaining and gossiping and that stuff going on, it just sucks the life out of a company. If you're an employer, you need to fire quarrelsome people quickly. You need to get the bad apple out of the bunch quickly because quarrelsome people are contagious. Troublemakers infect other people. I learned this lesson as a kid. Uh, one time, a farmer down uh, the road from us hired some of us guys, we're about 6th grade, 7th grade, hired us to come out and walk beans for him. In those days, we used to walk bean fields and pull out the weeds, cut the corn out of it. It, it was hot, dirty work, out in the sun. Uh, it, it was tough. And so Mr. Burt had hired about five or six of us guys to come out. We went out, we were excited, kind of our first job type experience. And uh, he started out with us, and we each took a row, and we walked down the length of the field and turned around and walked back. And in that process, all the way down and all the way back, one of the guys was complaining. 
It's hot. This is hard. This is dirty. We're going to do this all day. When do we get a break? When do we get water? What's going to go on? How much are we getting paid for this? Just complaining the whole time. We make one round down, one round back. Mr. Burt says, Dick, go home. What? We've got work to do. I'm not listening to this all day. Go home. And he left, and it changed the attitude of the rest of us. I mean, all of a sudden, hey, this is good. We like this. Wow, Mr. Burt, this is fun. Oh, this is the best water I've ever had. Where do you get your water, Mr. Burt? We like this. I mean, it just turned the whole thing around. You've got to remove the troublemaker quickly because one complaining because two complaining becomes three complaining becomes five complaining, and pretty soon everybody's complaining. You know, Dave Ramsey runs Financial Peace, Dave's company. They fire people for gossip. You gossip there, you're gone because it'll destroy a company. And, and as an employer, the rest of your team deserves a peaceful work environment. They don't need to be stressed out by one troublemaker who's stirring everything up, causing division, causing conflict, causing gossip. You owe it to them to, as the leader to remove that person. Proverbs 22.10, throw out the mocker and you will be rid of tension, fighting, and quarrels. And you want the tension, the fighting, and the quarrels to go down in the workplace? Well, get rid of the guy who's causing it. Throw out the quarrelsome crazy maker that likes to argue. You know, Paul gives this advice to pastors in Titus 3.10. He says if there's a troublemaker in the church, you warn them once, you warn them twice, and then you're done. You graciously dismiss them. You encourage them to visit other churches in the area. Because if you've got somebody who's causing conflict and causing chaos, it's going to be infective. It's going to be contagious. And so you've got to remove it. Fifth step in dealing with crazy makers. You refuse to cave in. You refuse to cave in to their demands. You don't allow them to manipulate your life. You know, a lot of Christians think the way to respond to irritating crazy makers is just to tolerate them, is just to let them have their way, to acquiesce, to submit. People say, aren't we supposed to forgive? Yes. Yes. But forgiveness and trust are two different things. Forgiveness is instant. It is by grace. Trust takes time, and it's based on works. That's the difference. Yeah, if a woman's husband is beating her, and she kicks him out of the house, and he comes back, will you forgive me? She needs to forgive him. You know, God commands her to forgive him. She's been forgiven by God. She will need forgiveness for herself in the future. She does not want to hold on to resentment. Yes, she needs to forgive him. And then the abusive husband says, can I come back in the house? That's a different matter. That's a different matter from forgiveness. That's a matter of trust. Forgiveness is given freely. Trust is earned over time. Two different issues. Does that make sense? Yeah. The Bible teaches us not to cave in to crazy makers. You know, you're asked to violate your conscience at work. You feel pressured or manipulated to do something wrong. What are you going to do? You know, what if your work schedule, and they give you a work schedule where you never get to go to worship anymore? You know, what are you going to do? You know, you're out at a little league game, and, and you hear disparaging remarks about Christ. Are, are you going to keep your mouth shut? What, what does the Bible tell you to do? Romans 14, 16. Do not allow, do not allow what you consider good to be spoken evil of. The Bible says you've got to speak up. Don't cave in. 1 Corinthians 16, keep your eyes open. 
Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. Okay? So you don't cave in. Finally, one more step you need to know. And this one's the most difficult of all. You always take the high ground. You always do the right thing whether the crazy maker does or not. They insult you, you treat them uh, with kindness. If they're unloving to you, you love them back. If they resent you, you forgive them. If they're mean to you, you're nice to them. You always take the high ground no matter what the crazy makers do. You, you cannot control what other people think of you. You cannot control what other people will say about you. You cannot control what other people try to do to you. You have no control over those things, but you have 100% control over your response. And you better respond with grace, love, and forgiveness because that's what God tells us to do. Classic chapter on taking the high ground with crazy makers, Romans 12. I'd encourage you to go home and read Romans 12. The whole chapter is just amazing. Romans 12, 14 says, Ask God to bless those who persecute you. Yes, ask him to bless, not to curse. Now, you may say, I don't have anybody persecuting me. We'll, we'll just change the wording a little bit. Ask God to bless those who make you crazy. Okay? Ask God to bless those who make you crazy. That's the very de definition of love. Real love isn't choosing to love somebody who's lovable. You know, it's easy to love lovely people like you. Okay? But God calls us to love the unlovely to love the unlovable. Real love is loving that person who at that moment is spitting in your face. You're not backing down, you're not playing games, but you're not fighting fire with fire. You're taking the high ground. That's crucial. Romans 12, 17, if someone has done wrong to you, do not repay him with a wrong. Try to do what everyone considers to be good. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Romans 12, 21, do not, become over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, what happens if I actually do what the Bible says to do? What happens if I do what the Bible says to do with the demeaning, demanding, destructive, uh, disapproving, crazy makers in my life? What happens if I refuse to be offended? What happens if I forgive them before they apologize? What, what happens if I choose not to gossip about them to other people? What happens if I refuse to play the game and I don't cave in? What, what happens if I take the high ground? Here's what happens, Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, okay, when you do the, these six steps, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. I want that verse to be true in your life. That's been the whole point of, of this series, is to bring peace into your life as we learn how to deal with the crazy makers in our life. I want your ways to so please the Lord that God makes even your enemies live in peace with you. Let's pray together. Just pray this prayer in the quietness of your own heart and mind. Would you just say, Father, you know the crazy makers in my life. You know who they are and what they do, and, and so I'm asking that even when they hurt me, God, would you just use that for good? Would you help me to learn to respond to them the way Jesus does? I want to be spiritually and emotionally mature in the way I treat the crazy makers in my life. So God, when, Lord, when, when people do things to me that offend me, help me not to take it personally. Give me a, a tender heart and a thick skin. 
God, help me to look past their offensive behavior and to see the fear, the hurt, the pain, the insecurity in their life. And give me the wisdom to be patient in my relationships. And Father, right now, without their even asking, I, I just want to have an attitude of forgiveness toward that crazy maker in my life. And I forgive them right now. I'm not going to hold on to resentment. I turn loose of it. Lord, I ask you to help me not to retaliate with gossip. Give me the strength to stand strong where I need to stand strong. Not to let them manipulate me. I, I don't want to play their game. I'm tired of caving in. And so God, give me the strength that I need. Give me the courage to speak up, stand up for what's right. And Lord, help me in all my responses. Help me to take the high ground. To show love and to return good for evil. So that I can have peace in my life. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen.